BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to Real Life Real Crime Daily for Wednesday, October 25th, and I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Mike Agavino, and Jim Chapman and I are here, and honestly, we're both wondering where Woody Overton is. That's right, he's not on suspension. No, I checked, and uh, there is no activity with the board uh, and Woody. And so he is not under any kind of uh, suspension or anything otherwise that would keep him from being here. As most of you probably know, he was going up to Wisconsin with uh, plans to hunt as uh, uh, with the group that won from the uh, uh, the Lopa event. And he was going to the Vikings Monday night football game last night against the 49ers, which I'm sure turned into a big celebration because the Vikings won that game and they weren't expected to win that game. And so sure that was a big party. So I don't know, Jim and I are what 50, 50 that this is no, maybe you're 90, 10, that this is just what he got smashed last night, partied too hard and is just passed out somewhere with his phone turned off. <laughs> that, that would be my best guess. Well, I and I and I trust you on your best guess, and certainly hope that that's the the case. And I have no reason to believe it's not, because you know the the long hunts and the parties at a a football game. It's not completely out of character for uh, for Woody to uh, to partake. And if a, a big surprise victory like that, and a long drive back home, maybe they decided to crash in in Minneapolis. All right, so uh, we're Woodyless for right now. We're Woodyless, and folks, we were we were uh, already operating with a little bit of a uh, of a handicap today because because every time we've tried to do the remote uh, podcast with Woody using the uh, the technology we have, uh, something has inevitably gone wrong. <laughs> not not this. <laughs> Not this uh, terminally wrong, but something has always gone wrong with either his mic or uh, or something with his computer. And so uh, we actually are highly confident we have everything working perfectly today. And 
And lo and behold, we're without Woody. So there's a chance that we'll hear from him during uh, the recording. And he's got a invitation that allows him to just jump into the middle of this recording anytime. And so we, we hope that he, uh, that he does. So where in the world is Woody Overton? Hey, Jim, before we get into the, the stories of the day, the crime stories of the day. Yeah. This story about the 150 something car uh, accident on I-55 between New Orleans and Denham Springs is a big national story. Mm. And so not only the listeners in Louisiana seeing that, but, uh, but the listeners all over the country are probably seeing it on their, uh, on their local news. And we got these alerts from uh, the weather uh, bureau over the last two days about dense fog. And that was apparently the cause of this was people traveling in dense fog, couldn't see in front of them. And it just created a massive pileup. It, it was, but there was, there was also a lightning strike that struck a, uh, uh, for those of you not from this area, that it's a an area of the of South Louisiana where Bayou Man Shack is. It's just a, a big bayou, and it has a lot of grassy areas on both sides of it. And lightning had struck uh, some of that grass and caused like a wildfire, and so complicating things even worse than the horrible fog that was out there was there was a haze from the smoke from that fire. Oh, I didn't realize the fire was that close to the spot of the accident from the coverage. I thought it was, there were wildfires in the area was what I saw in one of the newscasts. So that makes, uh, that makes sense. Well, for, for me, it's, it's so weird because I've had this recurring dream and I've told a number of people about it. I just, that, that road freaks me out. The road that this happened on is the road that I take every time I drive up to record with Jim and Woody. And what's, if you grew up in the, in the North or, and you know, spent all of your life either in New York or California, you've never seen anything like this road, which is raised above Bayou, like for miles and miles. And I'm constantly looking over the side of the road at the bayou because I'm mesmerized by all these old sunken boats that are there. And I'm always just like a tourist looking for gators, looking to spot a gator while I'm, uh, while I'm on it. And it's freaky. And it's especially freaky if you're on it in some fog. Now I've been on it a couple of times in some fog. I don't think anything like what uh, they've had the last the last two days, but my recurring nightmare has been that I get in some kind of accident and go over the side there because I, I don't know something in my head is that I guess the worst death is uh, death by alligator attack from falling into a bayou. I, I don't yeah, know what the hell is wrong with me, but sure. but that's that's what is in the dream, and the dream it happens right at that spot, right at, uh, at Manchac, because that's really the only civilization from the time you leave the I-10 and get on the, uh, the 55 until you join 
the 12 that takes you back over to Dam Springs. There's like a 40 mile stretch, 30 mile stretch where that's the only thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's, it can be an eerie area if you're not from here. Uh, but 150 something car pile up zero visibility and they're calling it super fog, which is, I didn't even know that was a term, but apparently it was, uh, even worse than what regular fog would be. And, and seven, uh, people, seven people, seven people dead. Yeah. yeah. And numerous injured 20, 20 something or more. I think they said uh, people injured. So a lot, a lot of people fun. injured. So that, that uh, tally could even, could even go higher. So prayers go out to them. And, uh, uh, you know, we had made the decision to, record today the way that we uh, uh that we're recording and so otherwise i would have been on my way on that road this morning and uh well i would have taken a, a detour around it but uh just scary to know that that happened right there in that spot and that i think it's 25 injured on top of the seven dead right now so uh prayers go out to them i did want to mention and jim i'm sure you saw these although i don't think you weighed in we had a number of listeners weighing in complaining that I got off way too easy last week <laughs> with the uh, egging of ago now being referred to as ego by some, by some folks. And so wanted to clarify a couple of things. First, I was not wearing a wig. I, I had on a little ski hat that my, kids used to wear on top of their helmet. It's, uh, it's like cornrows as a hat, but on top of your helmet. And so I did that to keep the egg out of my hair. Now, maybe that should have been in the rules as a violation, but I, I did that. And then Jim had a painter's uh, outfit that he brought, which folks, he did not bring out of a desire to keep me clean or my clothes clean. He brought it because we were doing this in his studio and I'm sure he didn't want egg flying all over the place. That's right. And so, uh, but that combination, uh, the, the, the painter suit got referred to as a hazmat suit throughout these, uh, these posts on, uh, on social. And so uh, I guess technically you could say we've, we've all been accused of, uh, of violating the rules and not doing this, uh, within the letter of the law that the folks who made the donations thought it would be done. And so I want to say right here and now that I will happily uh, partake in a round two and we will uh, maybe we'll do that outside. So we protect the studio. I don't need the hazmat suit and, and don't need to have the uh, hat slash wig on to, uh, to protect my hair. So uh, we will engage with Woody about that, and the three of us will figure out when we can uh, do it. Maybe we can get some participation from a couple of folks to come over to the studio and uh, and help. I did think the cake was a great idea, though, and uh, that Lori pulled it off really well. I had no idea it was there, so the second I turned around, I was just slammed in the face with uh, – uh, with the cake. So thought that was pretty cool. All right. And uh, we'll, we'll keep you back in Louisiana for this one. And two men have been arrested in the death of a Walker woman whose body was found in a wooded area Thursday morning. 
Uh, Bobby Schneider was booked into the Livingston Parish Jail on counts of second-degree murder and unlawful disposal of remains. Schneider, 34, had been identified as a suspect and arrested on unrelated counts on Thursday. This from Captain John Sharp, a spokesman for the Walker Police. The second suspect, Gregory Baker, was booked for unlawful disposal of remains and as an accessory after the fact to murder. The woman, Sarah Santini, who was 60, had been missing since October 7th. Her vehicle was found in Laplace on October 12th. Santini was found Thursday, October 19th, on a dirt road in the woods going to a hunting lease off LA-63 north of the town of Livingston. The discovery comes after Walker Police and Livingston Parish Sheriff's deputies have been searching several areas in Ascension Parish, Laplace, and Livingston Parish for Santini since October 11th. Santini was last heard from on October 3rd, and her car was found at the Walmart in Laplace, but she was not in it. Walker police have said Santini was last seen in Walker around October 6th at night into the early morning hours of October 7th in her black Mustang. Chief Addison said the crime lab used Santini's fingerprints to confirm her identity as well as her distinct tattoos. Police said Santini was stabbed and strangled by the men in Ascension Parish, and officials believe an argument happened between them at her house before her death, but they have not been able to verify the motive. The murder weapons were found on the scene. Mm. Big story here uh, in the Louisiana area. And, uh, you know, she was missing for uh, well over a week before, uh, well, several weeks really before they, they were able to find her on that hunting lease. And they're being very tight on details, but it looks like they've got their people. Well, and I would think if her car was found in the Walmart lot, well, I guess it could have been put after after the fact there. But there would be possibly video from the Walmart if she was abducted at that Walmart. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm sure they're piecing all that together. Um, you know, she was just a... Uh, a lady that lived locally almost, you know, well, the town right next to the town that we record out of and, uh, and was well thought of. And, and it was a shock to that community for sure. Well, and I got to believe, I mean, that's, that's a town that could only get a couple of murders a year. Right. I mean, it's not, it, there's not a lot of that kind yeah, of crime. It's, it's not a common thing, especially not in this way. When you do get the murders, it's it's typically drug related stuff, and uh, you know, not stabbing someone to death and dumping them in a field. It's not typical. Hmm. Okay, well let's uh, let's move over to the city of Detroit. A Detroit synagogue president was found stabbed to death outside her home in the downtown area of the city on Saturday morning. Samantha Wool was age 40. She was the head of the Isaac Agree downtown Detroit synagogue, and she had been for the last two years. Wool's body was discovered after a trail of blood led to her home. She was found inside the home with multiple stab wounds and was pronounced dead at the scene. Police say they're still investigating and have not released a motive for the crime. 
While it's unclear if the killing has any connection to the Hamas terror attacks in Israel, Samantha's friends, neighbors, and members of the synagogue are terrified that it must. No arrests have been made as of yet, according to the Detroit police, and no press conference has been scheduled yet by the police. And they are still asking for anyone with any kind of information to come forward. There have been a bunch of tributes that poured in for the religious leader following uh, her uh, her murder. Wool was named in the Detroit Jewish News 36 under 36 list in 2016, uh, which described her as a social justice and political activist. She was instrumental in the founding of the Muslim Jewish Forum of Detroit, a grassroots collective of young adults of both faiths who gather in partnership. Michigan is one of the largest Muslim populations per capita in the U.S. Investigators, as I said, have not indicated any link to the conflict in the Middle East. However, it comes just days after the U.S. Attorney General uh, Merrick Garland warned that Muslim and Jewish people are at an increased risk of threats inside the U.S. And, you know, given the kind of work that she was doing, it just, it, it's hard to believe that this would be coincidental and not tied to uh, what's going on. But but there's certainly no proof as of yet that uh, that it does have ties. Another, you know, death where they're just stabbing, multiple stab wounds on her too, uh, which is horrible. Right outside her house. Yeah. And then, uh, sadly, was you know, still alive to drag herself through the front door, but I guess unable to, to get to any kind of uh, help in time. The world has become a smaller place, and people are traveling more freely between countries than ever before. And companies are doing more business outside of their home countries than ever before. The geniuses at Rosetta Stone saw this trend beginning to develop years ago and have dedicated decades toward researching and refining the best and most efficient way to teach someone a new language. Rosetta Stone has been one of our most loyal sponsors here at Real Life Real Crime and The Daily Show, and that's because many of you out there have trusted Rosetta Stone to prepare you for everything from a family reunion to a once-in-a-lifetime trip to a business trip in a faraway country. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program in the galaxy. Rosetta Stone's been there for us with a great product at a great price. Rosetta Stone is a trusted expert in language learning for 30 years with millions of users. Rosetta Stone's intuitive process helps you pick up a new language naturally so you retain what you learn, and their true accent speech recognition feature is like having a personal trainer. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Real Life Real Crime and The Daily Show listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today today. Au revoir. Au revoir. 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Yeah, it's awful. Well, after two horrible stories like that, we'll give you something a little a little lighter. This African tortoise escaped in 2020. And <laughs> escaped or was stolen? It was it escaped. It was okay. a sixty pound fugitive tortoise. Okay. And okay. it is it escaped in twenty twenty and it was recovered in Florida. So how far do you think it got? Uh the Wait, where, County, which, what town where did it live in originally? Where where did it live originally? Well, we, Putnam County. Putnam, Putnam County, County. Florida. oh, Putnam County, Florida. Okay. Florida. So the Putnam County Sheriff's Office, which uh, cornered the Desperado, <laughs> how you like that, October 21st, says deputies knew instantly the African tortoise was an escaped pet because it liked people to, you know, pet it and pat its head and all those things. So they decided to turn it over to Florida's Wildlife Animal Refuge, which is a nonprofit that quickly discovered that desert turtles had miraculously endured multiple. This particular desert turtle had uh, endured multiple North Florida winters. Uh, As a matter of fact, they posted on Facebook a truly unbelievable story. It just goes to show you to never give up hope. This tortoise was missing for three and a half years and was found five miles away from where it originally escaped. <laughs> That's it. Five miles. It went five miles in three and a half years. Uh, she is in a kind little of, bit of kind of makes you wonder how the tortoise ever beat the hare. I mean, that, that, that rabbit had to be a complete idiot. I'm going to tell you, and, it, and you know, it goes it goes back to those old adages with turtles and those sorts of things. But she is in a little bit of rough shape from spending so many cold winters here without heat. But she will be okay. What a happy ending! The watering wandering reptile had escaped from a home and was headed east in the direction of Africa, and it averaged. Uh, about 1.6 miles per year or 8,800 feet. So (laughs) literally went at a tortoise pace. And this was a 60 pound tortoise. I don't know how, I mean, that's huge. I don't know how it, it went missing for three and a half years, but it did. And it got me curious about tortoises. So Mike, we'll test your knowledge and the listeners knowledge on, I'll give you a few fun facts. (laughs) Um, Okay, so here's one. 
tortoises have very small brains. Now that I would have assumed, but they indeed do. Uh, they lay eggs and females will bury their eggs to keep them safe from predators. So they actually bury their eggs. Uh, a tortoise named Jonathan is the longest living land animal in the world at 190 years old. Wow. That one surprised me. 190 Where, year old. Animal. Where's Jonathan at? Uh, well, it didn't say it just said he's 190. I didn't, I didn't dig that deep. Uh, tortoises have existed for over 55 million years. So true dinosaur and a group of tortoises is, do you know what a group of tortoises is called? Like wolves, you have a group. You have like a pack, yeah. Uh, Don't know uh, what a group of tortoises is called. What's a group of tortoises called? A creep. Really? Yep. That's a good one. That's right. See, I I teach the listeners when they listen. I want them to learn something. You do. You do. They know when they call their their husband or their wife a creep, uh, well, you're calling them a group of tortoises. There you go. Well, and I think if I if I did my quick math in my head right, that tortoise was moving a grand total of like twenty four feet a day. (laughs) He wasn't he wasn't wasn't biting off sixty pounds. How nobody saw? I mean, how do you miss that? Like, I don't know. That's just bizarre. That's just bizarre. But I thought that you were going to tell me that they chipped him, and that's how they found the. the, the rightful owners, but I guess there aren't that many people who have uh, who have sixty pound uh, tortoises as pets. So, right. Well, glad he's back home. Probably not as glad as he or she is that they are back home. So, happy tortoise. Let's go to a bizarre story, and we'll stay in the state of uh, state of Florida because a lot of our bizarre stories come from the state of Florida. A jury found a Florida man guilty of first-degree murder for killing his wife, get this, after she refused to appear on the reality TV show Zombie House Flipping with him. Mm. He was also exposed for lying about inheriting millions of dollars. Obviously, that played into it as well. Yeah. David David Tronis was sentenced to life in prison by a judge on Wednesday for the murder of Shanti Cooper Tronis. Shanti was found covered in blood and partially submerged in a bathtub in Orlando back in 2018. Tronis, who initially claimed his wife slipped and fell in the bathtub, previously pleaded not guilty. He was evaluated and found mentally competent to stand trial earlier this year, despite a diagnosis of schizophrenia. When Cooper Tronis married Tronis, she believed he had inherited between four and six million dollars from his father. But after the wedding, it became apparent that there was uh, that there was no inheritance, or at least not a multi-million dollar inheritance. Things between the couple reportedly intensified after David spent a significant amount of money renovating their home for this reality TV show, which was called Zombie House Flipping. I think I've seen that one. That, that, that's still out there. Uh, David wanted Shanti to appear with him on the show. A news release from the state's attorney's office says that Shanti's refusal to appear on the show upset Tronis to the point that it led to her murder. Hmm. 
Tronis told police that on the day of the murder, he had pulled her from the tub and carried her to the living room. Although both he and his wife's body were dry when emergency responders arrived not long after. A medical examiner later found that Cooper Tronis died from blunt force trauma to the head and strangulation. So despite his best efforts to create the illusion of a, uh, a drowning, it was obvious he had hit her and choked her. Four months after her death, her fake millionaire husband was arrested and charged with her murder. Police alleged, alleged that Tronis killed his wife, uh, and again, they were, they were married for less than a year, after she learned he did not have the millions that, uh, that he had told her he had. They also alleged that Tronis had a penchant for frequenting bathhouses and going to a number of bathhouses in the Orlando area to have anonymous sex with men. We all thought we knew David Tronis, a friend of Tronis said, come to find out what we knew was a facade. He was living a total lie. In interviews with police, friends and relatives have called Tronis a miser and claimed the wife who was 11 years younger than him, married him for his money, but ultimately bought everything. Tronis's trial began last week, and we certainly hope prosecutors will have a pretty easy time of it on the, uh, on the case. Uh, Claiming he got a five, six million dollar inheritance, asking her to be part of some ridiculous reality TV show. It wasn't even clear that that they had secured a spot on the reality TV show. He was doing this work in uh, in preparation for trying to land a spot on this reality TV show, and apparently she was paying the majority of those bills. So the guy with millions is spending his newlywed wife's money preparing for a reality show that she doesn't want to be on. And uh, uh, then it gets exposed that he doesn't have the money and, and it goes from bad to worse. So hopefully they will lock that dude up. Hopefully uh, he is. What did you say? They called him a miser. Yeah, meaning, meaning he was spending all our money and none of his. Uh, and, uh, you know, he was supposed to have all this money, which they didn't find out till later that he, he didn't have any. And I'm not, a, I've never seen Zombie House. Is that pretty popular? I don't, I don't know how popular any of those shows are, but you've got, you know, all those different channels, Discovery and, and, uh, you know, doing all the home improvement shows. There's a bunch of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll have to check it out. Uh, and we'll move on to our next story, which Mikey drink energy drinks. Rarely. Well, Woody drinks enough for both of us. <laughs> he does. So he, I wish he was here to hear this story. Uh, and a family has filed a federal lawsuit against Panera, Panera bread after a college student who drank charged lemonade dies. And this is a tragic story. Oh my story. God, really? Yeah. Uh, an Ivy League student with a heart condition died after drinking Panera Bread's charged lemonade, which is a in a large cup, which contains more caffeine than uh, Red Bull and Monster Energy drink combined. Wow. The legal complaint calls the beverage a dangerous energy drink and argues that Panera failed to appropriately warn customers about its ingredients. 
the suit was filed on behalf of the parents of Sarah Katz, a 21-year-old University of Pennsylvania student. Katz had a heart condition called Long QT Syndrome Type 1 and avoided energy drinks at the recommendation of her doctors. Katz purchased a charged lemonade from Panera Bread in Philadelphia and went into cardiac arrest hours later. At 390 milligrams, the large charged lemonade has more caffeine than any size of Panera's dark roast coffee. The charged lemonade also has guanar extract, another stimulant, as well as the equivalent of nearly, get this, 30 teaspoons of sugar added to that 390 milligrams of caffeine. It is higher caffeine content than that of standard cans of Red Bull and Monster combined. And cats had gotten a large cup, which is 30 fluid ounces. And what this lawsuit is basically arguing is that there's not enough warnings on this on this deal concerning uh you know that the negative side effects that you can get from these energy drinks and look i've drank uh, uh monster energy drinks in the past at one point i was drinking like one a day and i had to quit because i could tell uh you know that my heart was racing after i drank them i'd wake up but uh i could notice i started noticing kind of some side effects i didn't like with uh with those energy drinks and, and serious deal, you know, you gotta be careful. Some people can handle all that and some people can't. Yeah. And I definitely couldn't, but you know, it strikes me that you probably have more students turning to stuff like that right now, because I know I've certainly had the conversation with my kids about never taking a pill, never buying a pill on campus, an Adderall or something like that to cram for, uh, for exams because with, you know, with everything that, uh, uh, that has been going on with fentanyl the last few years, it's just not ever worth the risk. And so I think Panera and maybe a bunch of others have, uh, have come out with these super caffeinated, uh, beverages and targeted that student population with that uh, with that kind of stuff because the kids are less likely to be to be taking uh, pills. I don't know that that's just a that's just a thought, but I think you said that the student knew they were aware of their heart condition. This was not something they found post mortem. It was that uh, that they had this uh, uh, this condition, and so you would have thought, especially a UPenn student who you would expect to be smart that they would know to avoid this kind of, uh, uh, or that there was a danger in, in drinking this kind of a drink. So I don't know. I'm sure that'll, that'll be part of the defense here. If there's a defense mounted and there's not a, a settlement on this, but um, right. not surprised to, yeah, uh, I mean, to actually at, at hear they're selling the consumer, stuff. Like at some point, the consumer does need to take responsibility and uh, it's kind of like that lawsuit they had several years ago with the lady that got hot coffee and she spilled it on herself and sued McDonald's because they didn't have hot coffee written on the, you know, on the cup. And, uh, and a similar situation, I, I don't, you know, people have to take responsibility for their actions too, in my opinion. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm not in 
Panera Bread, you know, I've only been there a couple of times. I've never paid attention to the Charles Lemonade to see if they have it marked. But I'm sure everybody knows. I mean, in the name, you can tell it's probably going to give got a little kick to it. Well, you know, this this story actually has me a little bit scared because I I see on uh, DoorDash and and uh, uh, Postmates receipts for my son who's who's over in Texas that uh, he goes to that he has Panera stuff delivered fairly often. I hope he's not drinking that stuff. I'm going to certainly find out, but. Um, that's, that's a lot uh, of caffeine. That is really scary. milligrams, yeah. Okay, so well, we've already talked about one exotic animal in uh, in this episode, and now I'm going to talk about lots of exotic animals and uh, a crazy story that I didn't remember. And uh, uh, Jim, maybe you will, but you know, we we often do stories about crimes involving exotics, and uh, because we think you know they're they're almost always unique and they're uh, interesting and, and funny. And so the other day I was researching crimes involving exotic animals and I came across a story uh, that again, I didn't, I don't remember uh, uh, knowing about and it's 12th anniversary had just, uh, just passed a couple of days ago and it's why it was in the news. So what happened 12 years ago, an exotic animal collector by the name of Terry Thompson, this is in Ohio in Zanesville, Ohio, set 50 animals loose and then fatally shot himself on his 73-acre farm, which was just west of Zanesville, Ohio. Thompson's motives were never totally clear about why uh, he did this. We know that he had uh, some significant problems. His wife had left him. We know that uh, that he was facing a possibility of of bankruptcy and he had uh, served some time on a gun conviction, and so he had a lot of bad stuff going on in his life. But you know, was by all accounts a lover of exotic animals, and had built up this tremendous collection over a lot of years. And so it didn't necessarily make a lot of sense for investigators as to why he would release them. But back in 2011, 18 Bengal tigers, 17 lions, six black bears three cougars, two grizzly bears, two wolves, and a baboon were set free and roaming the streets outside of Zanesville. Wow. It's not exactly the kind of thing that you could expect any kind of police force to be prepared for. So when it became apparent that this had happened, the public was told to stay in their homes or not leave their place of work until an all clear was issued by law enforcement. Officers from every corner of law enforcement in the state or within 100 miles or so of Zanesville headed that way to assist the locals. This is not a big city. It does not have a huge local police force. And so uh, many volunteers came in from uh, from all sides. The fear was, was mounting. Loose animals might begin to attack humans. Sunset was fast approaching and no one wanted to conduct searches in the dark. And they desperately needed to contain these uh Uh, these animals geographically. So unfortunately, the situation was such that they could not attempt to tranquilize the animals either because tranquilizer uh, doesn't take effect immediately. It's got to be tailored to the exact size of the animal or it's not guaranteed to work. And so for for those reasons, they, they opted not to go with any kind of tranquilizer and 
and went with the only thing they 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 could go with, which was to hunt down and and kill the uh, kill the animals. And so, when all was done by the next morning, officers had killed forty nine animals, including all of the big cats and bears. The extent of the carnage became apparent the next morning because first responders had lined up the carcasses all along the muddy countryside. And there's a uh, a pretty tough to look at picture of that still uh, uh, still around that uh, uh, that I'm not going to post. But if you search this story, you will uh, you will find. Police were were happy to learn that morning that uh, that three leopards, a small grizzly bear, and two monkeys had actually been left caged inside of Thompson's home. And so for some reason, he did not set those animals free. Those animals were tranquilized and set to the, sent to the Columbus Zoo, where most of them are still, uh, are still at today. One monkey was never found. They, uh, they presumed that a big cat had, uh, had eaten it, but never found out the truth. The senseless tragedy in Zanesville stunned the world and became a catalyst for changing exotic ownership laws across many states. Quote, it was the worst thing I've ever seen in my life, animals or humans, period. That's Tim Harrison, a retired police officer and director of the nonprofit Outreach for Animals, who drove in from uh, Dayton, Ohio, Ohio, to help that night. They did exactly what they needed to do. Those guys got put in a terrible position and saved the day. The bottom line, no humans were harmed, which many credit to the Muskingum County uh, Sheriff Matt Lutz's quick response and the decision to order shooting rather than tranquilizing. While the Zanesville story shocked the world, many in Ohio say the warnings, uh, warning signs has been there for years. Authorities had responded to numerous complaints about uh, Thompson's property over the years. Terry Thompson was a Vietnam vet and a lifelong collector of exotic animals. He'd acted as an animal handler on the Wild Kingdom TV series. So it's hard to understand why he did what he did. And to this day, they really don't have any... Uh, any motive or any other evidence as to uh, as to why he did it, although they are sure that he was the one uh, who did it. So crazy story. Don't know if you remember that, Jim. I didn't. I I did not remember it. And, uh, you know, my question, I'm sure, is like everybody else's, and that is why release them? Um, I don't know. That's- yeah, you love the animals you've been collecting for years. You have to know that. I mean, if he was releasing them because he was mad at the world and he wanted people to get attacked, that that certainly didn't happen. Um, don't know. Wow. Crazy. Yeah, really is. Uh- Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Uh, and we don't have we don't have sound effects, unfortunately, when we record remotely. But uh, you know, might give us a little plane sound. Flight attendant, may I have a glass of water, please? <laughs> well, it is. I'm glad you mentioned a flight attendant because we're going to talk about some mile high crimes for today, and this is actually making uh, its rounds around you know the national news and even internationally in some cases, and that is. An off-duty pilot 
has tried to kill the engines on an Alaska Airlines flight. So this off-duty pilot was riding in the cockpits on an Alaska Airlines flight to San Francisco. Uh, and he was arrested Sunday night after he tried to shut down the plane's two engines mid-flight. The arrested pilot was identified Monday as 44-year-old Joseph Emerson, who is now staring down 83 felony counts of attempted murder and reckless endangerment. Alaska Airlines confirmed that a commercial flight between Everett, Washington, and San Francisco was diverted in Portland due to a credible security threat from an authorized occupant in the flight deck jump seat. Off-duty pilots regularly fly for free in the jump seat, which is located in the plane's cockpit, just behind the captain and first officer. <clears throat> okay, the so pilot, that was going to be my first question: was what, whether that was customary that that happened? Okay, yeah, and I didn't I didn't realize that uh, before this story, but they do indeed fly fly for free in the jump seat. And the pilot's attempt at shuttering the engines down was ultimately unsuccessful. And the regional jet operated by Alaska Airlines uh, subsidiary Horizon Air landed without an issue. The plane's pilots were able to subdue the unruly colleague. We've got the guy that tried to shut down the engines in the cockpit, an on-duty pilot told Portland Air Traffic Control. It doesn't seem like he's causing any issue at the back. I think he's subdued. The flight's captain requested that law enforcement be ready on a jet bridge to assist the rogue pilot. Motive for the incident has not been released. Now, flight data shows the plane uh, that departed Everett at 5.23 p.m. on Sunday was filled with 80 passengers and two flight attendants. Records show the typical flight time to San Francisco is approximately two hours. John Ostrauer, a journalist that covers the aviation industry, uh, reported Monday that FAA addressed the incident in a security notice to U.S. airlines. Uh, and basically it said, last night a significant security event occurred involving a jump seat passenger attempting to disable aircraft engines while at cruise altitude by deploying the engine fire suppression system. The crew was able to subdue the suspect and removed him from the flight deck. The flight diverted and lands safely. The event remains under investigation by law enforcement and no further details will be provided as of this time. Oh my God. That's insane. Wow. Well, it's like, you know, greatest fears realize, right? Because you, yeah. everybody who gets on a plane, your our lives are in the hands of the couple of people that are up front. And thank God they subdued him. And, uh, you know, shout out to those guys for doing whatever they had to do to keep him from being able to accomplish what he was trying to accomplish. I well, guess when thank, you thank goodness fire, the, the pilots assigned that flight were strong enough to subdue them because Horizon Air, I mean, that's a commuter airline uh, that's tied to Alaska. So that was probably a prop. It was probably a twin engine prop, you know, not, I don't know how many people would have, but it, you know, it would have been a double digit number of people on that plane, not hundreds oh, of people 80, on that plane. 80, according to the. Oh, it said 80. It yeah, was so, 80 people and two flight attendants. Yeah. So 20 rows of, of four. Yeah. Um, and again, one guy, 
against two and the uh, engine fire suppression. Yeah. So if, if an engine were to go on fire, that's the quick shutdown uh, for an engine. And so it's, it's not that, that he's got to reach some sort of engine start stop. He's got to just get to that uh, fire suppression uh, button or whatever the heck it is on a, on a plane like that. And so picture him charging for that and the two folks, whoever they were, the two pilots tackling him. And then I assume getting some kind of help in the, in the cabin to, uh, to get the guy back into uh, the passenger cabin. But man, that is, that is scary. Yeah, it is. Wow. Well, we could, uh, we could see a rule change coming out of that too, because if, you know, if you're not assigned the flight to, to be off duty and be in, uh, you know, in the front cabin, uh, I mean, again, it's a pilot that works for the airline. And so you would think that that would be a safe thing to do, but uh, they may end up having to, to change some of the, uh, some of the rules as a result of that thing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, give me your, uh, your best banjo. (laughs) (laughs) Outstanding. Jim. That's all I Uh, I want to, I want to say thanks to, uh, Michelle Scamardo Taylor for providing a heads up on this story. And we're going to go to Arkansas to find today's dummy who also happens to be today's sicko. I mean, this is uh, dumb criminals, but this is dumb, sick criminals at 1245 AM on October 8th, a Baxter County Sheriff's deputy observed a vehicle at the Midway store and lock, which I think is a storage facility. The deputy stated that he observed that the vehicle was, quote, rocking. So the deputy got out of his vehicle and approached the rocking vehicle. When he looked inside, you're not going to believe this, he reported observing the man, quote, having sex with a stuffed animal. Mm. The man's name is Theodore T. Morgavan, the third, upon learning that Morgavan had a search waiver on file from the Arkansas Department of Community Correction, the deputy searched the vehicle and found a purse containing two marijuana pipes and one syringe. Morgavan was charged with possession of a controlled substance, methamphetamine, which they found, furnishing possession or using prohibited articles, possession of drug paraphernalia, and public sexual indecency. While being booked into the Baxter County Detention Center, another deputy found approximately three grams of meth in the purse. After reviewing the case, a judge found probable cause to charge him, really, and set his bail at $5,000. On Monday the 16th, He appeared in court for arraignment where he pleaded not guilty to the charges. He's due back in court on the 30th with a tentative trial date of February 26th, 2024. Uh, You got to be pretty nuts. Um, Banjos, fiddles, and uh, whatever acts of disgust you want to throw down. I mean, this, uh, uh, yes. Definitely dumb and definitely a sick dude. 
there you go. So that's your dumb criminal for today. And uh, we're going to go to an, a WTF. I don't know if you've ever heard, Mike, of... Um, have you ever heard of fishing, a type of fishing called magnet fishing? No. Magnet fishing. Well, Can't that was wait. new to me, too, although I bet Woody's heard of it. He probably does it. Probably and it actually it. sounds fun. He's probably uh, doing it right now instead of being on the show. Yeah. <laughs> He's likely. <laughs> well, two men were fishing in a local canal when they happened to pull an unexploded grenade from the river. The pair of fishermen were fishing a canal doing what's known as magnet fishing when they pulled that grenade out. One of the fishermen said they moved down the bridge to another location after not having much luck, which is when they spotted the weapon. Nerves started kicking in, but we were trying to keep confident and make sure that everyone was safe and secure, he said. The pair said they spotted a couple people walking by and told them to walk a different path in case anything happened to the unexploded device. Once we got it, we contacted the police and they got the bomb squad out to come and take care of it, the fisherman said. After waiting from afar, the police took uh, the police looked into the situation. The men said the officers told them the positive news was that they saved the town but then also delivered some disappointing news. The bad news is your magnet will be getting blown up with the grenade. <laughs> he recalled the police officer telling him the bomb squad feared removing it would trigger the grenade. The explosive was taken from the canal and exploded in a controlled environment. Magnet fishing is the hobby of, uh, it's actually a hobby that's a combination of environmentalism and treasure hunting. The magnets used are strong enough to remove large debris, such as discarded bicycles, guns, safes, coins, car tire rims, uh, things like oh, that. Oh, wow. So this is a big-ass magnet. Yeah, it's a, and probably expensive, very expensive. Uh, but many who engage in the hobby are hoping to find rare and valuable items as well. Like pull up a safe, that'd be kind of cool. Uh, it is thought that magnet fishing was initially started by boaters using magnets to recover fallen keys from the water. Mm. So mm. that's where magnet fishing came from. But these guys pulled up an unexploded grenade. And that made me say WTF. Yeah, and that probably made them say uh, enough with the magnet fishing, <laughs> I would guess. I mean, that would do it that's for right. me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Interesting hobby, though. I mean, it, it sounds like it'd be fun until you pulled something like that up, but you just never know what you're going to pull up. Out yeah, of I really want to look that up because I want to see what the size of these uh, of these things is. I mean, you see people at the beach all the time on the sand with, uh, you know, with their uh, uh, metal detector that they've gotten from, you know, out of some magazine or something, but uh, but never thought about that over the water. I'm sure that. With all these people that still hunt for treasure. And Woody knows a lot about that treasure hunting stuff. He's probably been all over this. Oh, yeah. He probably, he probably like you say, he's probably doing it. <laughs> he's <now>. probably <laughs> hauling in a safe right now. Yeah, that's right. Well, uh, we would do a kinky crime. We're not going to. We, Woody does the best kinky crime, so we're going to save those for him. Uh, so you got any final thoughts, Mike? Well, he better be involved in a kinky crime right now for <laughs> what, we have, <clears throat> what we have gone through uh, this morning to uh, to work our way around him. But 
Uh, hopefully he's just fine laying in bed with an ice pack on his head and we'll be up and at him shortly. And uh, we'll have our uh, fearless leader back with us. But we missed you today, Woody. That's right. And until next time, I'm Jim Chapman. I'm going to do peace with you here, I think. And I'm Mike Agavino. And for Woody Overton, we're Real Life, Real Crime Daily. Peace. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.